Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. How come we didn't have all these drilling issues and gas issues and all the rest of it when Trump was president? Which is why Biden and his team of morons have gotten together and say, hey, keep blaming Putin. So now Biden's come up with a brilliant idea. Let us suspend the federal gas tax for 90 days. 90 days. And by the way, Russia's selling more oil and gas than ever before, making a fortune. So even that's not working. So let's do it this way. In their own words... Obama at a campaign rally in April 2008 on a gas tax holiday. April 2008. Cut one, go. I know that we're having a debate right now about the gas tax holiday. I know how brutal this is on folks right now. And I know they need relief, which is why I've offered a middle class tax cut for every American. A thousand dollars for working families so that they can deal not only with Rising gas prices, but rising health care costs and rising grocery costs. But for us to suggest that 30 cents a day for three months is real relief, that that's a real energy policy, means that we are not tackling the problem that has to be tackled. We are offering gimmicks. When we're offering the same thing that John McCain's offering on the cheap, that means we're not presenting a truthful response to the challenges that we face in America. We can do better than that this time. Yeah, right. Now, compare that with Biden today at the White House. Cut four. Go. 
By suspending the 18 cent gas tax, federal gas tax, for the next 90 days, we can bring down the price of gas and give families just a little bit of relief. I call on the companies to pass this along every penny of this 18 cents reduction to the consumers. This is there's no time now for profiteering. There are a number of other proposals by Democrats in the House and the Senate, and I hope my call for action can help move those proposals forward as well. But we can also cut gas prices even more in another way. That's why the second action I'm taking is calling on states to either suspend the state gas tax as well or find other ways to deliver some relief. Wow, brilliant. So there you have Obama contradicting Biden. But there's more than that. Here's Nancy Pelosi. Two and a half months ago. Cut two ago. So, okay, so we have a situation where there's money coming out of the highway trust fund it's going to the oil companies They're, they may not give it to the consumer and it has to be paid for so we're paying for something to give a break to the oil companies that isn't even going to the consumer so that's the con the pro is very showbiz okay let's just do something there it is but it is not necessarily landing in the pocket of the consumer. It's taken out of the trust fund. We have to pay for that to return it. So they have three Democrats arguing with each other. Three Democrats arguing with each other. Let's throw in a CNN reporter, Matt Egan. Cut three, go. You know, to John's point, there are some serious problems here. And it's also important to remember that just because things poll well doesn't mean it's necessarily smart policy, right? What? (laughs) Not always the same thing. Noted. Like John said, this does nothing to fix supply. Mm -hmm. It actually supports demand at a time when demand can't keep up with supply. Uh, Moody's economist Mark Zandi, he told me that he is concerned that this could be inflationary. And uh, there's no guarantee that energy companies are going to pass along the entire savings here. And then there's the fact that this money funds the building of highways at a time when the construction of the building of the highways has gone up because of rising costs for building material and uh, labor. So there's a lot of issues here, and I think it does show why Obama in 2008 called it a gimmick. It's all- mm-hmm. Well, here's a little bit more for you, ladies and gentlemen, from a finance piece at Yahoo. The savings would be puny. The federal gas tax is 18.4 cents per gallon if Congress suspended the tax, so they have to vote on it. And the savings went entirely to consumers. It would reduce the cost of a 15-gallon fill-up from $75 to $72.24, a savings of $2.76. Every bit helps, but would anybody notice? Consumers would probably not even get the entire savings. Few states have suspended state taxes on gasoline, and the Penn Wharton budget model found the portion of the savings that went to consumers ranged from 58 to 87 percent. It would increase demand for gasoline. It would make money. It would take money from the federal highway fund, as you just heard. And it's unlikely to pass since Nancy Pelosi opposes it. So does Joe Manchin. Even Tom Carper, Delaware, a close ally of Biden's, said on June 21, a gas tax holiday is short-sighted and inefficient. 
I have no problem with cutting the gas tax, by the way. None. But of course, there's not a single Democrat in Congress that will support cutting taxes at all. But it's irrelevant. It's absolutely irrelevant. We need more production. And Biden starts croaking on and on and on about he doesn't know what they mean by that. And yet here I am holding a Fox News piece. Biden administration delays oil and gas lease sales again amid environmental protests. This article is three hours old. The Biden administration delayed multiple oil and gas leases a second time late last week amid an ongoing protest from environmental groups opposing the sales. These are the environmental Marxists. The Bureau of Land Management, the agency tasked with overseeing oil and gas development on public lands, announced Friday the dates for three lease sales slated for New Mexico, Colorado, and Wyoming that they would take place at the end of this month. The three sales had already been rescheduled before the same, for the same reason at least once. The date for this sale shifted slightly to complete the analyses required under the National Environmental Policy Act and allow time for pro... <coughs> For protest resolution, the BLM said in its announcement Friday, it had originally scheduled the New Mexico and Colorado sales for June 16 and the Wyoming sale for this week. In addition, a separate oil and gas lease sale in Nevada, scheduled for June 14, was delayed two weeks earlier this month. Two others set for June 28 in Utah and Montana have been pushed back. Coalition of 13 environmental groups wrote in a May 18 protest filing challenging the Nevada sale, quote, greenhouse gas pollution resulting only from existing federal fossil fuel development and potential development from leases and drilling permits already issued but not yet under production would contribute catastrophic climate change and unnecessary and undue de- degradation to the atmosphere and other public lands, values that BLM is legally obligated to protect. Steam billows from stacks at the Naughton Power Plant on June 12, 2022 in Wyoming. While we, and they have, uh, they've attacked that too. The groups led by the Western Environmental Law Center argued the administration wasn't legally required to hold the sales. The Sierra Club joined the coalition and filed a second protest. See, this is what's going on. This is what's going on. In April, the Department of Interior announced it would proceed with the six oil and gas lease sales as part of a reformed federal leasing program that reduced land available by 80% and increased royalty rates for drillers. The administration said it would hold the sales because of a June 2021 federal court blocking Biden's attempted pause on all new leases. So what the Marxists are doing is bringing endless lawsuits and endless regulatory challenges to prevent to prevent drilling, to prevent these new leases. The administration has yet to hold a single offshore lease sale over the last 18 months. They haven't held a single onshore, onshore, not offshore, onshore lease sale over the last 18 months. So there we go. But don't blame Biden. He's doing everything he can. Everything he can. 
Ladies and gentlemen, they did everything they could to cripple our energy industry, and that's exactly what they're doing. But here's the kicker. What have I been telling you month after month after month for year after year after year? What they want to do is drive up the cost and move you into denser and denser housing and public transportation. That's the goal. That's also the goal with the attack on local zoning, where they're trying to destroy uh, uh, single-family housing. Joe Biden let the cat out of the bag today. I will focus on this right now where nobody else has. I want you to listen to this. Cut six. Go. We're already building secure supply chains to build these electric vehicles here in America. And we're investing almost $100 billion in public transit and rail. For all the studies show that it will take millions of cars off the road and significantly reduce pollution if there's a serious transportation system available. They're going to force it upon you. They're driving up the cost of fuel. They're driving up the cost of automobiles. They're at war with local zoning in your communities. They're pushing for public transportation and denser and denser housing. This is the great scheme. This is the great plan. Like the old Soviets. That's exactly what's taking place. Listen one more time. Let's listen carefully. Cut six, go. We're already building secure supply chains to build these electric vehicles here in America. And we're investing almost $100 billion in public transit and rail. For all the studies show that it will take millions of cars off the road and significantly reduce pollution if there's a serious transportation system available. And I'm telling you, the day is coming when they are going to control how many automobiles you can have, what kind of automobiles, how far you can drive. They will monitor your mileage. They will monitor your gasoline purchases. They will do the same with your housing. It's all in the name of an environmental emergency. That is what they're up to. That is where we are headed. There is no question in my mind about this. No question in my mind about this. And it will all be done through the back door. With grants, with contracts, with regulations, with executive orders. The Democrat Party is shrinking the economy. It's shrinking your income. It's shrinking national growth. Economic growth. It's shrinking the housing market. It's shrinking the automobile market. They want everybody on electricity, and then they have complete control over all of that. Public utilities. You don't believe me? Well, stay alive another 20 or 30 years, maybe just 15 years. I don't want to say I told you so, because now is the time to try and fight this. This isn't about a new green deal, a green new deal, global cooling, global warming, climate change. This is a degrowth movement that despises capitalism and despises Americanism. I'll be right back. (laughs) 
Mutt Lupin. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. At times I throw little ideas out there hoping somebody will pick them up. Well, we've talked about lithium batteries that are the heart and soul of these electric vehicles. We've talked about them at some length, that they are a disaster when it comes to the environment. Uh, And there's really nothing that can be done with them effectively after their approximate 10-year use. And they weigh, in some cases, 1,000 pounds for the Mercedes, 1,400 pounds. In other words, they're a drag on uh, on these distances that cars can drive. And that's not even to get into the use of the electricity. I encourage you to go online, use whatever search engine you prefer, and put in there lithium batteries and environment. Lithium batteries and environment. Because every time Biden speaks, every time John Kerry speaks, every time the radical left Marxists speak, they talk about EV, electric vehicles. You need to know what's involved in electric vehicles. You need to know about these batteries. And it is amazing to me that this man, Biden, doesn't get one question ever. And maybe it's because he's, he's fleet of foot when he's running from the media. But nonetheless, about the, the environmental impact of what he's proposing and his government is proposing makes fossil fuels look like uh, a daisy field. I'll be right back. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, Reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. 
To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Mark Levin, tough as hell. That's why I like Mark Levin. And I'm not sure a lot of people like him. He's tough as hell. But I like him. I love him. Call in now. 877-381-3811. You can see the mischief out there with the pollsters, particularly with liberal groups, liberal colleges and universities. They keep polling Trump versus DeSantis. You notice that, Mr. Producer? DeSantis is running for governor. He could run for president at some, but he's running for governor. But they know that'll get under Trump's skin, and Trump may start attacking DeSantis. So that's what they're about. That's why they're doing this, just so you know. And also, they keep reporting on these primaries in some of these states like Georgia. Georgia has an open primary system where Democrats and independents can move into the Republican primary and vote, and they've been encouraging Democrats to do that at a high level, or they can easily switch their party and vote in in the Republican primary. That took place in Georgia on the nomination of Kemp and uh, among others. So just so you understand how this works. And then uh, the same thing in Alabama and other states. This open primary system, I don't know why the Republicans do this, or the Republican state legislatures tolerate it. It's problematic. All right, I want to get back to the economy. I told you the other day I read a fairly hidden report It's not getting the attention it deserves that we're going to be running out of diesel fuel. And that would be a complete disaster. And over at the Citizen Free Press, I must confess, I don't know who's behind that, but it's a a good interview. I'm guessing it's an individual. They talked to a trucker, and there are many truckers saying this, that they're warning Diesel oil and engine oil is going from scarcity to non-existent. Scarcity to non-existent. So we're reaching a point now, ladies and gentlemen, that diesel oil is on reduced supply and that it's the supply is getting smaller and smaller. And this will have an enormously negative effect on the economy. You can't move product. You can't move product. Food, medical supplies, material for building, clothing, so many things. I mean, your imagination is limitless. The reality is limitless. Nobody's talking about this. Nobody. And when you hear Biden today, and I've played most of it, he has no way of dealing with this because he is a prisoner to his base. He's a prisoner to an ideology that does not allow them to produce our way out of this. And then they start their lies. Their endless lies. Here's a perfect example. Biden again at the White House today. Cut seven. Go. 
So for all those Republicans in Congress criticizing me today for high gas prices in America, are you now saying we were wrong to support Ukraine? Are you saying we were wrong to stand up to Putin? Are you saying that we would rather have lower gas prices in America and Putin's iron fist in Europe? I don't believe that. Look, I get the easy politics of the attack. I get that. But the simple truth is gas prices are up almost $2 a gallon because Vladimir Putin's ruthless attack on Ukraine, and we wouldn't let him get away with it. All right. Now, Jerome Powell, the hearing today, basically says what we've been saying because it's the facts. And he's being asked by Bill Haggerty. Senator Bill Haggerty of Tennessee has really turned out to be quite a good senator. Let us uh, check this out. Cut eight, go. Of 2021, inflation was at 1.4%. By December of 2021, it had risen to 7%, a five-fold increase. Now, since the war in Ukraine began in late February, the rate of inflation has risen incrementally, another 1.6%, to a current level of 8.6%. So again, uh, from 7% to 8.6%. Given how inflation has escalated over the past 18 months, would you say that the war in Ukraine is the primary driver of inflation in America? No, inflation was high before, certainly before the uh, war in Ukraine broke out. Wow. Inflation is the driver. It's the driver on fuel prices and food prices and everything else. Now, inflation was high before, certainly before the war in Ukraine broke out. Ladies and gentlemen, these are the facts. These are the statistics. They're right in front of our face. And yet Biden continues to lie about this. His staff continues to lie about this. His phony economic experts, such as they are, they continue to lie about this. One more time, Mr. Producer. Eight. Go. In January of 2021, inflation was at 1.4%. By December of 2021, it had risen to 7%, a five-fold increase. Now, since the war in Ukraine began in late February, the rate of inflation has risen incrementally, another 1.6%, to a current level of 8.6%. So again, uh, from 7% to 8.6%. Given how inflation has escalated over the past 18 months, would you say that the war in Ukraine is the primary driver of inflation in America? No, inflation was high before, certainly before the uh, war in Ukraine broke out. Okay, now that's good. He told the truth. But now we get to the actions of the Federal Reserve Board. The Federal Reserve Board's job is to maintain sound money. Sound money, that's its purpose. That's why it was founded. Sound money. So what is driving unsound money? What is driving inflation? Now, ladies and gentlemen, since early in the Obama administration, long time ago, the Federal Reserve has been printing, 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 and printing money. That's what it's been doing. It's been pumping the prime and priming the pump. It has been, as I've said before, the drug dealer to the fiscal drug addicts in the White House and in Congress when it comes to spending. And Jerome Powell will not admit it. He's asked a question by Senator John Ossoff, another Marxist, head of Georgia. Basically a trust fund baby. Cut nine, go. 
right now is the principal driver of the increase in the price level elevated consumer demand, elevated demand, or is it supply constraints? I know we're facing both, but I'm asking you to allocate, as you can, some share to each phenomenon. Yeah, I just would say it's clearly uh, both factors are, are principally at work here. You, you couldn't get this kind of high inflation without strong demand, and you certainly couldn't get it without the kind of supply issues that we've had both in the labor market reflected in high wages and then in, in the goods market reflected in what's happened with, with uh, um, durable goods. And, and cars in particular, you look there, there's a, it's been this driven by semiconductor shortage. Really? And how much of this has been driven by your failure to make the right decisions when it came to money supply? So the question was not a very good question. And, of course, the main variable, he gave him choice A, choice B, but he didn't give him choice C, which is you, Mr. Powell, and your board. You and your board. We talked about this, that they didn't see inflation coming, or they didn't think it would be that bad, or they thought it would be transitory, and on and on and on, and it surprised them. This is his job. This is what he does every day, every hour of every day. We sit here behind a radio. I did major in history and poli-sci and then later economics, but I'm not an economist per se. But I do have common sense. I can reason. I can rationalize. There are the laws of economics. They are what they are. They do not change. And what about oil? What does he think about that? Isn't that a problem? I'm pulling this together, these various clips, so you can see that the problem isn't the oil companies, the problem isn't the consumer, you, and on and on and on. The problem is the ruling class. They are incompetent. They don't take responsibility for anything. They're largely unaccountable. What about higher oil prices? Senator Kirsten Cinema asks, cut 10, go. What is an appropriate proportion of current U.S. inflation to assign to Russia's illegal invasion of Ukraine? And how are you thinking about these events in the context of setting monetary policy? Well, I would say that, you know, the, the increase in commodity prices are, are clearly connected to, to the war in Ukraine. Um, and uh, so that that part of inflation um, um, would be certainly much lower uh, if uh, than it is without the war in Ukraine. And you know, there really, there's nothing that our tools our tools work on demand. And there's a job for our tools to do here. There is a there is a, a job to moderate demand so that it can be in better balance with supply. But it, it wouldn't. Uh, we we don't think that we have the answer to higher oil prices. Uh, you know, due to the global um, oil situation. So it's amazing how he conflates so much in that answer. Literally conflates it. Consumer goods. Consumer goods. Commodity prices are clearly connected in some respects to what's going on in Ukraine, he says. That aspect of it would lower inflation. Without the war, and of course, he just told uh, Senator Haggerty that inflation was due 
not to the war in Ukraine. Did you not, Mr. Producer? Then he says, there's really nothing we can do about higher oil prices due to the global oil situation. But that's pathetic. When Reagan first came into office, he immediately deregulated gasoline and deregulate that is natural gas and deregulated oil immediately immediately and that led to a massive growth in the production of fossil fuels but he dare not say that because he will be attacked by the democrats and he owes his job this time around to joe biden doesn't he but what about spending We know what you did on the monetary side, easy money, over and over and over again, printing, printing, printing. But what about spending? And the great Senator John Kennedy asks him about that. Cut 11, go. What if the United States Congress said, look, we've got a budget. We're going to freeze spending. We're going to stop injecting more money into the economy. We're going to freeze spending until Powell can get control on the demand side. Would that help? You know, I, I feel like giving you advice on, on what to do when I'm asking we're, not for, getting I our own, we're not getting our own job done. I feel like maybe a better better thing to do would be for us to get our get our house in order and do the job you've assigned us. Well, let me put it another way. Let's suppose, forget about Congress. Let's suppose that every governor in every state and every legislature in every state got together tomorrow and said, I know it's not like it happened, and said, we are going to freeze our budgets. We're not going to spend a penny more than's already budgeted. Would that help? Would it help? Sir? Would it help with? Would it help uh, 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 reduce inflation? It would depend on, it might, it might, but I mean it would take, again, I, again I'm, I'm giving you, I'm, I'm scoring fiscal policy. Well, I understand really you're being careful, but Mr. Chairman, we, we, the, the United States Congress, in addition to its regular budget, has spent $7 trillion. I'm not saying all of it was, was unnecessary. On top of that, the Fed's increased its balance sheet from $1.5 trillion to $9 trillion. $9 trillion. I know you're cutting it back. But we've injected all of this money into the economy, and then people go, well, we have inflation. Duh. Give me some help here. Tell me what we can do. I, um, I, I'm really focused on what we can do, uh, which is shrink our balance sheet and raise interest rates and, and get supply and demand all back. All right, there you go. Alignment. There you go. There you go. I have to take a break. So he won't say yes, cut spending. He won't say yes, open production of fuel. He won't say yes, we've contributed mightily here at the Fed to inflation by printing. He won't say cut your spending and we should control the monetary system. And that's basic stuff. And so the ruling class, we are filled with incompetence, ideologues, And that's why we are where we are. Not because of the war with Ukraine. Even though the Putinoids want you to think that because they want Ukraine to fall. Because they have this romantic view of of a genocidal murderer named Putin. And it's, it's not the first time it's happened in this country. 
I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. One last thing quickly, Sherrod Brown, Sherrod Brown of Ohio, now the Marxist element of the Democrat Party, which is a growing element. He wants you to think about the oil companies, not their policies. Cut 12, go. We aren't, wishing, we aren't witnessing traditional inflation. We're watching Russia and OPEC drive up prices and American energy companies engage in wartime profiteering. At the root of the higher prices and the empty shelves are the same problem that's been shipping jobs overseas and keeping wages low for decades. From so Nevada there you go. Mass. You see, it's the private sector, which was doing just fine prior to this administration, and the likes of Mr. Brown. We went through this a week or so ago that the, the average uh, profit that the oil companies have experienced is 6.2%. Much, 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 much smaller than the high-tech companies prior to the collapse of the economy. So it's all a lie to draw attention away from themselves. I shall return. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. Retirement accounts. You have a 401k? You have an IRA? You have some kind of a retirement account? Well, as Fox reports today, stock market declines from the beginning of the year have amounted to trillions trillions of dollars in losses for retirement accounts and Americans are feeling the pain trillions when investors get their quarterly 401k statements in the next few weeks they're going to be hit with some very bad news 
<clears throat> excuse me, the S&P 500. Now, look, most of us don't know what that even means, and NASDAQ, and I, I got all that. But you know when it's dropping like a lead balloon, that's trouble. The S&P 500, the broadest measure of U.S. stocks, is down 21%. The Nasdaq, nearly 30%. The Dow Jones, down 16%, and that's only so far this year. And Americans are seeing the value of the retirement accounts dwindle, along with these deep drops. Stock market declines have pummeled the retirement accounts of Americans in the first half of 2022. Alicia Munell, director of the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College, wrote in a blog this week that retirement plans, ready, have collectively lost upwards of $3 trillion since just the beginning of January. According to Munell's latest data, 401k plan participants have lost about $1.4 trillion from their accounts. IRAs have lost $2 trillion since the end of 2021. Good God. So basically, the federal government spent trillions, and you've lost trillions. Main Street is filling it, too. One woman told Fox Business her 401k has been decimated, to the point that she's now wondering if her plans for starting her golden years might need to be delayed. Yeah, I think so. A trader works on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange in New York. It's horrible. I mean, I was thinking I might be retiring, you know, in the next year or two, and now I don't. I don't know when I can do that. They're not doing too good right now. Another man said of his investments, we've been losing a lot of money. Multiple people told Fox Business they are scared to even take a look at where their accounts stand. We've got a thrift savings plan, a 401, a 529. A second woman explained, I don't want to look at it. She said the last time she glanced at her husband's, it was down $200,000. The losses coupled with inflation sitting at a 40-year high means Americans are hemorrhaging money. Hemorrhaging money. That has also caused some people to make tough decisions regarding retirement. It's been painful, another person said. I honestly have to take out some funds out of my 401k to, you know, support myself and my family with the inflation and everything else that's happening. Now, again, I have to tell you, this didn't happen until 18 months ago. This didn't happen until 18 months ago. We're supposed to ignore that? What, is this some coincidence? No, I don't think so. Heather Boucher is a top Biden economic advisor, and what he does is he puts people around him, does Biden, who reinforces his insanity. They reinforce his insanity in the ideological push to be the next Franklin Roosevelt. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, in order to be the next Franklin Roosevelt, what needs to happen, Mr. Producer? A depression and a world war. Just saying. Looks like we're headed for both. The war with China and potentially a depression because 
with this idea that we can't produce our way out of what's happening with gasoline and that we can't effectively fight inflation. You know, when Ronald Reagan was president, he never spoke that way. He said, we're going to tackle these things. That's why he won by two massive historic landslides, unparalleled in modern American history. And that's the way he thought. That's what he believed. He embraced economic principles. So Heather Boucher, top Biden economic advisor with the Washington Post yesterday, cut 13, go. Over the past week, we have heard that uh, a recession is not inevitable. (laughs) So why is it not inevitable? Well, because family balance sheets are strong, because we've been able to... Is your family balance sheet sheet strong, ladies and gentlemen? Here's two people who are totally disconnected from the average American. Totally out of it. Go ahead. The unemployment rate down. We're starting from a, a relatively strong position right now. So, um, and we because we've, we've seen the economy able to weather some of these storms that have come over the past year. That gives us some confidence that um, should uh, oil prices continue to be high or maybe go up, which would be horrible. But um, you know, we think that that there's enough of wiggle room that businesses and families will be able to to make it through because they have resources to fall back on. You believe this? Again, what Reagan did was slash taxes across the board to make sure people had resources to fall back on and jobs to count on. And that businesses would be making money that they weren't the enemy and neither were profits. When inflation was rampant under Carter and then Reagan inherited it, He didn't start trashing companies, trashing the private sector. You notice Biden never, ever is circumspect about what they did in the first months in office and the money they spent, the enormous, enormous sums of money like never before. She goes on, cut 14, go. Republicans often say that the administration wants high gas prices. No, it's not Republicans who just say it, ma'am. I call you ma'am. I don't even know who the hell you are. We have played clips of Joe Biden who has said it. We've played clips of Obama who has said it. We've played clips of other Democrats who've said it, who've pushed it, who've encouraged it. So to say Republicans say, Republicans point out the policies of what the Democrats have said and what they're doing. Go ahead. Republicans often say that the administration wants high gas prices. They want this because they think it is an excuse to move to renewables to a cleaner energy. What is your reaction to that? Do you think that the short-term pain will provide long-term gain? Why do you have to ask a question like that, in that manner? That Republicans say this, that, and the other. Why don't you just say your boss has said, and his prior boss has said. Why don't you do it that way? Because that's the truth. You don't have to politicize it. It's a policy issue. It's an ideological issue for them. Go ahead. I think 
if there's the president has been so clear that rising gas prices is a priority for him that that should dissuade anybody from thinking that he likes it or thinks it is a good thing but none of that changes the fact that for our national economic security for our national security we have to be thinking about all the different ways that we can transition to clean energy and the president has been very committed to that but politicians and bureaucrats and phony journalists thinking of all the ways we can transition to clean energy, whatever that means, means nothing. Means absolutely nothing. Okay, let's think of all the ways. There aren't any ways right now. Nothing significant. So what this administration has done is crippled our energy production. Crippled. Energy availability crippled what was now energy independence something we had sought so we wouldn't be blackmailed by OPEC and others and now we're begging them for oil and they'll figure out all the details later now ladies and gentlemen which is it Putin caused this the administration's policies that that made abundantly clear that we're going to get off fossil fuels Which caused it? The profiteering oil companies? It's it's like they're just shooting political shotguns all over the place, hoping something will stick. But of course, they claim they have no responsibility. Folks, they're in charge of the government from soup to nuts. They're in charge of the bureaucracy from soup to nuts. They control all the elected elements of the government. They made all the decisions. Inflation was breaking out in a significant way before Putin. The price of gasoline was going up significantly before Putin. They just don't take credit for what they've accomplished from their perspective. And therein lies the problem. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest, I was nervous at first thinking, well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand. The 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. We're back, America. Here we be. Well, I have to delve into this. Adam Schiff was on the morning schmo this morning. Now, if we were to have a poll, who's more detestable? The morning schmo or Adam Schiff? Do we have to choose? 
I don't think so. Uh, but Adam Schiff states the obvious in one respect. The Electoral Count Act is deeply ambiguous, he says. It needs to be reformed. I don't disagree with that. But that's part of the problem, isn't it? It doesn't provide the definitive answers that this phony committee says it does. Here he is. Cut 15, go. In terms of uh, you know what, what will come out of all of this legislatively, uh, look, there, there are reforms that we're looking at to so the Electoral Count Act. You know, this century and a half old piece of legislation, deeply ambiguous, it came down to a close presidential election, and it turned on an interpretation of this, uh, we would be in a real constitutional crisis. Uh, and there are other reforms as well that we're looking at. But at the end of the day, you know, my takeaway, frankly, from... I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, but I've always wanted Adam Schiff to be in charge of reforming the Electoral Count Act. Shouldn't Adam Schiff be doing that from a federal prison? I think he should. The reforming of the Electoral Count Act. We're going to leave it to Adam Schiff and Benny Hill Thomas, of course, has been a radical, and we'll leave it to the other radicals on that committee. Dizzy Lizzie Cheney and Adam Headcase Kingsinger. But that's a problem. I don't want them to be the ones in charge of the Electoral Count Act. Do you? No, I don't. And then we have Miles Taylor. Who is Miles Taylor, you ask? I know the foggiest idea, but he's on MSLSD, so he must be important. And uh, he's the executive director of Renew America Movement. Renew America Movement? We don't need a Renew America Movement. We need an old America Movement. But it's my understanding when you look at this guy, it looks like he's having a constipation movement. But anyway... Let's listen to what Miles Taylor has to say, because apparently he's very important. Cut 16, go. And But it was, to your point, very clear who Donald Trump was from day one. All of us in the Republican Party knew who he was. So many people didn't want him to get the nomination. No, he's a repubic. He's one of the repubics. All of us in the Republican Party knew who Donald Trump was. So many people didn't want him to get the nomination, certainly didn't think he would get elected. Yes, so they've been spending their entire lives since then trying to kneecap him. Go ahead. Elected, but when they did, just kind of willingly walked along with it. I, look, I think the violence here is really, really the sort of crux. What violence are you talking about, moron? I mean, Miles, what, what, uh, what are you talking about? Miles Taylor, if that is your name. The violence, do you mean the violence that we've seen, the threat against a Supreme Court justice's life? You mean the, uh, the acts of 2020, the over 500 riots that took place in our streets? What are you talking about? You're talking about the violence that they're preparing to unleash on us, the Democrat Party permanent mob, when they don't get a Supreme Court decision that they like? Talk about the multiple occasions where elements of the Democrat Party tried to blow up the Capitol building. Is that what he's talking about, Mr. Producer? Go ahead. My friend Alex Vindman always says that there's so many oh, people. Oh, that's that are- his friend, Alex Vindman. Remember that, Colonel? That's my friend, Alex. You know, some of us quote Aristotle, Cicero, the Founding Fathers. Great philosophers. This idiot quotes Alex Vindman. As my friend Alex Vindman likes to say, go ahead. 
violent because the intimidation actually works. And we've seen oh. this before. Intimidation works. So why isn't anybody being arrested on the left who keeps trying to intimidate Supreme Court justices? What about that, Miles? Miles? I have a working image of this guy in my mind, Mr. Producer. Miles. Sounds like a Miles. Go ahead. Democratic societies. Political intimidation leading to political Shut up, you idiot. Nobody knows who you are. Nobody cares. Now... The morning schmo. Mr. Bizarro. The schmo and Mrs. Schmo. She's there. She's the Ed McMahon. Nonetheless, the morning schmo today has some profound words for you, America, and his 14 viewers. Cut 17. Go. Let me say it again. I want to say it more slowly. This. Let me say it again. I want to say it more slowly. Want to say what more slowly? You always. Talk slowly because you think slowly. Go ahead. You know, is, listening to Joe Scarborough is like watching somebody brush their teeth. Don't you think? <laughs> Don't you think, Mr. Producer? Go ahead. Fascism. Trumpism is fascism. It is the hold use on, of- hold on. What did you say? I couldn't follow you. Such big words. Such big words. Trumpism is, listen to me, I'm making a pronouncement. Trumpism is fascism. Go ahead. It is the use of intimidation. Ah, shut up. You know, here's the thing. Listening to Joe Scarborough is worse than watching somebody brush their teeth. It really is, I think. Unless that somebody's my wife. Now, that's okay. But uh, that's a whole other story. And there he is. He is broadcasting from the, from the environs of Jupiter, Florida. You would think Joe would be broadcasting not from Jupiter... But Uranus, I understand Uranus is quite a planet, Mr. Producer. Is that true? Well, I'm not trying to be rude. I just think that's kind of where he belongs. All right, I'll be right back. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest. I was nervous at first, thinking, well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand. The 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Mark Levin, America's tyranny hunter. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Napa County DA responds to the Mark Levin Show. Wait a minute. I'm Mark Levin. 
Jesse's great. He's hilarious. <laughs> All right, better kill it. All people go, hey, what, you got nothing to talk about? Are you taking it easy? No, I like music. It's okay. Relax. Everything's cool. Ever hear of Andrew Gillum? Andrew Gillum almost became the governor of Florida. He was the Democrat nominee, supported by the Democrats. They love this guy. They love them. But DeSantis beat him. Trump endorsed DeSantis, no question. DeSantis ran a brilliant campaign. Gillum lost, barely. Barely. He was almost the governor of Florida. Now, soon after his loss, he was found in a hotel room with another guy. He would later come out and say he's bi. So, uh, I'm sure the LGBTQISYZ community was glad that he, he came out, I suppose. I don't know. And also, he was using drugs. Uh, now it turns out he's charged with 21 counts of federal indictment today. Andrew Gillum, the once rising Florida Democrat star, writes NBC News' Mark Caputo, was hit with a 21-count federal indictment for wire fraud, related conspiracy charges, and making false statements. Gillum, the former Tallahassee mayor, was charged along with his mentor, Sharon Lepman Hicks, for fraudulently fundraising from various entities between 2016 to 2019, according to the Department of Justice press release. Now, you know this really had to be bad, or the Department of Justice, this one, a.k.a. the Department of Injustice, would not have brought these charges against one of their own Democrats? No. Justice Department said the two allegedly diverted some of the money to a company controlled by Letman Hicks, who fraudulently disguised the funds as payroll payments to Gillum. In a written statement, Gillum and his lawyers proclaimed his innocence. Wait a minute. What's wrong with this, Mr. Producer? What's wrong with this, America? You mean Gillum has representation and actually could speak out? This seems to be a new approach to getting to the truth, doesn't it, Rich? I'm perplexed, ladies and gentlemen. I thought the entire narrative would come from the Department of Injustice. Thought they would have a a conga line of charges, a conga line of witnesses, a conga line of supposed facts, and that's that. That's that. But apparently not. Apparently not. In a written statement, Gullum and his lawyers proclaimed his innocence. Lepman Hicks, a candidate for a state house seat, has not returned texts or calls from NBC News requesting comment. Well, what is Lexman Hicks supposed to say, NBC News? I've spent the last 20 years of my life in public service and continue to fight for the people, Gillum said. Oh, don't don't they all on the left. Every campaign I've run has been done with integrity. Make no mistake that this case is not legal. It is political. Throughout my career, I've always stood for the people of Florida and have spoken truth to power. 
There's been a target on my back ever since I was the mayor of Tallahassee. They found nothing then, and I have full confidence that my legal team will prove my innocence now. The indictment marks a new low for Gillum, a married father of three who withdrew from public life as a political leader, and a paid CNN commentator. CNN knows how to pick him, doesn't it? Between this guy and Jeffrey Tubin and so forth. After a March 2020 sex scandal involving a suspected male overdose victim in South Beach Hotel. Which does bring to mind, Mr. Producer, whatever happened to this budding sex scandal at Media Matters? Did you know Mark Elias is their lawyer? But don't worry, they're not a... A Democrat Party operation over there at Media Matters, are they? No, can't be. They're a 501c3 tax-exempt, nonpartisan, nonprofit organization. Which is why the number one Democrat Party slip-and-fall hitman lawyer is their lawyer, obviously. But there was this guy, Johnson. That's his name, Johnson. Don't look at me. Just... In this sex, supposed sex scandal, Johnson had posted some things that he since took down because he was threatened by the Democrat Party lawyer, Elias, who's also the Media Matters lawyer. Cease and desist right now. I insist on it. Cease and desist. So this budding sex scandal, whatever it is, has been hidden. And you'll remember the president... And CEO of Media Matters. What is that guy's name again? What is his name, Rich? It's out there. Angelo Pazzarama. What is his name? Caruso? Something like that. Corsoni. Angelo Corsoni. Daily Caller did a little digging not too far back. Found all kinds of anti-Semitic and bigoted posts. Next thing you know, he'll be a primetime TV host on uh, MSNBC. Maybe he'll follow Joy Reid. Same thing with her. So that's the sleazy operation at the den of sleazeballs that is Media Matters. Why the IRS doesn't really yank their ticket and do a serious investigation and reveal what they've been doing with their tax-exempt dollars. I don't know. But let's get back to the, to the main story here. Two sources with whom Gilliam spoke to as they told NBC News that he began phoning friends frantically about the criminal case when he was informed that his indictment was imminent. Neither would speak on the record because they weren't authorized to speak on his behalf. These are friends of his? Some friends. They said Gilliam, or Gilliam rendered himself to prosecutors at 10 a.m. and that his indictment could be unsealed at 1 p.m. He makes his first appearance at 2 p.m., according to the DOJ. He's down, he's sad, he feels beat up. Now, why else am I reading this story? Remember Peter Navarro, ladies and gentlemen? 72-year-old Peter Navarro, who was never charged with anything in his life until a couple of weeks back? Because of the January 6th committee. You have contempt for Congress? Well, Congress has contempt for us. No, no, you don't understand. Remember what they did to that man? 
Remember what they did to that man? They waited for him at Reagan National Airport as he was about to get on a plane, and they arrested him with great fanfare. Because he's a 72-year-old man, and they had overwhelming force. They put him in handcuffs in front of everybody. They put him in a holding cell. They put him in leg irons. Remember all this? They charged him with contempt of Congress. Two counts. And he was a a threat to escape the country. Which of course he wasn't. And the judges in the District of Columbia were perfectly okay with all of this. Perfectly okay. Didn't bother them in the least. Would that be the same Department of Injustice who told Mr. Gilliam and his lawyers, please, please appear at 10 a.m. in the morning. 10 a.m. in the morning, please. So we can read the charges against you, arraign you. And we'll unseal them at 1 p.m. How about that? And he's charged with 21 counts. 19 accounts, wire fraud and conspiracy to commit wire fraud. Each carries a maximum 20-year prison sentence. Gilliam faces two additional charges of lying to investigators, each charge which carries a maximum five-year sentence. Of course, none of those FBI people who lied through their teeth about Russian collusion or lawyers or anybody else who was involved in any of that has had to face a potential of five years in prison for each count, have they? No, I don't think so. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest, I was nervous at first thinking, well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand. The 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Unfortunately, uh, my friends in Alabama, um, their fellow citizens have uh, decided to send to the United States Senate once the general election is over. A Republican of the likes of a Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, they spent over $15 million creating this woman, a portrayal of this woman. Absolutely unknown in the state. $15 million. And McConnell was celebrating. 
He was celebrating the former president's endorsement of his candidate and all the phony front groups that McConnell and his people set up to confuse people that she was some kind of big deal conservative, person of deep faith. She had a record of doing absolutely nothing for any of those causes. So we lost a big one in Alabama. And Mo Brooks is now retiring. He won't even be in the House of Representatives. That's too damn bad. Too damn bad. And uh, you're going to have a senator there who's going to vote exactly as Mitch McConnell tells her to vote. So Mitch McConnell uses all this money that some of you send to the party operations to defeat your conservative views. He despises the base of the Republican Party. As I've told you many times, he backed Ford against Reagan. He despised the Tea Party. He's really just a kind of a dumb old man who knows how to use the operation of uh, a power within the Senate, the confines of the Senate. He really, he doesn't learn very much. But they love him. The establishment for a reason. We're going to have Lauren Boebert on this program next hour. She is a congresswoman from Colorado. She's a fantastic congresswoman. And, um, of course, what they're doing in Colorado with the open primary is the Democrats are flooding into that primary to try and knock her off and nominate the Republican they want to run against. This is what they do. But no hearings on that. That's okay. Mr. Producer, do we have a caller, please? A great WABC Martin in Princeton, New Jersey. Go right ahead, please. Hey, Mark, yeah, I think I figured it out. You know, you're talking about how they did the arrest of the 71-year-old guy. You know, there used to be a team called the Oakland Raiders back in the day. I don't know if you remember. There used to be a team called the Oakland Raiders. Of course I remember. Okay, well, their motto was, you know, just win, baby, right? You know, that was yeah. the thing, just win. And I guess they were like the derbiest team in the NFL. And, and that's what the um, that's what the Democrats are. They're just the dirtiest team, you know. So I think the thing, I think the, the, from my perspective, I think the problem is the teams play on the field and it's over. Here we have a situation where these teams play and it affects our lives. You know, we can't just leave the stadium. The stadium is the country. But I get your point. Thank you for your call. We'll be right back. You'd never knowingly feed your dog food that's bad for their health, but many commercial dog foods are full of fillers and harmful additives. Dr. Marty Goldstein, a veterinarian for more than 45 years, has seen that poor ingredients lead to bad digestion, skin problems, and other critical issues. That's why he created his Nature's Blend Premium Freeze-Dried Raw Food. It's packed with real cuts of meat and superfood seeds, veggies, and fruit. Folks, my dog's name is Marty. So, of course, we're going to listen to Dr. Marty. And we tried the food. My Marty loves, loves, loves it. He loves Nature's Blend Premium Raw Dog Food. And I love that Nature's Blend is freeze-dried and pantry-safe. So for a limited time, save 50% off your first order. Go to drmartypets.com slash Levin or text Levin to 511-511. They offer a 100% 90-day return of your purchase price. 
That's L-E-V-I-N to 511-511. Text LEVIN to 511-511 and save 50% on your first order today. Text fees may apply. You may receive up to one additional text. Text STOP to opt out. And also, don't forget, DrMartyPets.com slash LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, when it's time to talk a little turkey. Many years ago, as I've been doing this for many years now, I began to take on what I call the Republican establishment. I can remember a piece written by an old friend, Rich Lowry, even asking the question, what is the establishment? What is meant by that? And nobody else really in the talk radio world was doing that. They would have these Republican establishment types on their programs and so forth and so on. But I went to war with them, behind the microphone, of course, and denounced them. And I was an activist in the Tea Party movement. I'd written Liberty and Tyranny. And... um, The Tea Party delivered the House to the Republicans and almost delivered the Senate. And Mitch McConnell was the Republican leader then, too. And he trashed the Tea Party, said they would have won more seats, but for these Tea Party extremists who were nominated. He had the backing of National Review. He had the backing of the Wall Street Journal editorial page. He had the backing of Mitch McConnell. And a guy by the name, you may have heard of him, John Boehner. The Tea Party elected enough Republicans where he became Speaker of the House. And he immediately turned on the Tea Party. Immediately. As did guys like Kingsinger when they got elected from the Tea Party and all. But I'm focused on this. Boehner wrote a book, or somebody wrote it for him as he was celebrating happy hour and with a drink in one hand and four cigarettes in another. But in any event, isn't he now a lobbyist for pot or something, Mr. Producer? Perfect fit. So, in his book he said, I don't know what happened to my friends Rush and Sean. This guy Levin came along. This guy Levin came along. Another book was subsequently written by a couple of so-called professors who said that I was the worst of the talk show hosts. I, little me. That the language I used and the arguments I made, of course they were leftists. Then there was a third book written. And there I am again. So I am well aware of this Republican establishment. I am well aware of it. This is why I despise it. 
since a kid, when I campaigned for Reagan in 76, campaigned for him again in 1980. These Republicans, ladies and gentlemen, they don't stand for a hell of a lot. Now, of course, when we're talking about Marxists, we say we need to win the election and stop the other side, which is, of course, a a strategic move because they're absolutely nuts. But the Republicans, it's a complete party. What exactly does the Republican Party stand for? We know what the Democrat Party stands for. But we really don't know what the Republican Party stands for. We knew when Ronald Reagan was elected what he stood for. And frankly, we knew when Donald Trump was elected what he stood for. But what did the Bush family stand for? Really? What do they stand for? What does Larry Hogan stand for? What does Chris Christie stand for? What does Asa Hutchinson stand for? stand for anything nothing's worth really fighting when it comes to them and what is John Cornyn the senior Republican senator from the great state of Texas the biggest of the Republican states what does he stand for well he's very proud of himself you know he fought the mob which is called the people calls it the mob he doesn't buckle to the mob he says He's in the shadows, he's in the wings, he and Thune and Barrasso and others who want to replace Mitch McConnell if he ever decides to hang it up and continue to do business with the communist Chinese through his in-laws. So they get behind this bill. And the bill is barely written. And they endorse it. It's one thing to get behind concepts. It's another get behind the bill. 80 pages long. Marco Rubio goes up to him and says, you want us to vote on this tonight? Well, how hard is it to read 80 pages? Well, ladies and gentlemen, an 80-page piece of legislation needs to be carefully analyzed. What's in the bill? First, who are the Republicans that voted for it? Young of Indiana. Tillis of North Carolina. Romney. Romney will vote for anything of Utah. Portman is retiring of Ohio. Murkowski of Alaska. Alaska. Don't you want guns in Alaska? McConnell. McConnell always votes with the minority, the minority party. It's amazing. Lindsey Graham. I've had about enough of him. Joni Ernst. Shocking. Cornyn. Susan Collins. This guy Cassidy from Louisiana. Disaster. Capito from West Virginia, disaster. Burr, do nothing, retiring North Carolina. And Blunt, do nothing, retiring from Missouri. What do you know about that's in the bill? You don't know anything that's in the bill. You haven't had time to read the bill. You haven't had time to study the bill. You haven't had time to contact people or organizations you trust. That's the whole point. This bill isn't going to stop what's been taking place in this country. In fact, the Democrats keep saying it's a good first step. It's a first step, ladies and gentlemen. Well, what's the next step? They're never satisfied. David Harsani, who's really an expert on this subject, writing in The Federalist, 
Seems like a lot of good people have left the old National Review and moved elsewhere. It's clear that the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, quote-unquote, was written in a rush by politicians far more interested in doing something about guns than proposing any well-considered ideas. That's surely the reason the Senate took a procedural vote only a few hours after releasing the text. And while they'll probably pass the bill in a few days, it's going to take years, however, to figure out how it all works. The bill's numerous vague, open-ended provisions will almost surely be abused by prosecutors, cops, aggrieved family members, execs, and political opponents. And in the meantime, the likelihood that any of its provisions will help mitigate mass shootings is very small. That said, no, <coughs> no one should fool themselves. Though many conservatives will be furious about the bill, it's unlikely to be unpopular with most voters. Facing a string of horrific school shootings, voters are uninterested in hearing debates about due process or complaints from some 19-year-old who wants an AR. The media, of course, will frame the bill as a common-sense no-brainer. Quote, since the shooting, my office has received tens of thousands of calls, letters, and emails with a singular message. Do something, John Corner, the Republicans' lead negotiator, said yesterday. Not do nothing, but do something. I think we found some areas where there is some space for compromise. Cornyn spent more time bragging about the things he rejected than championing the useful ideas he brought to the bill because it almost surely the case that he brought none. This bill exists so the Republicans can say they did something, not nothing, but something. What does something look like? No one, presumably, opposes new federal support for enhanced school security or mental health funding, other than perhaps Chris Murphy, who believes mental health concerns are BS. Maybe that was his compromise. Another big chunk of the law is filler, reiterating the illegality of trafficking and straw purchases. Gun control advocates often point to the low prosecution rate for these crimes, but that has far more to do with authorities failing to enforce laws that already exist than a lack of them, the ruling class failures. On federal red flag law funding, perhaps the most controversial provision, the bill makes a big show of demanding protections for quote-unquote due process rights and against infringement of the Constitution. It demands there be penalties against abuse of the program. All this is unenforceable, as Republicans know. A number of blue states have already passed red flag laws that nullify gun rights on the word of third-party accusations, sometimes ex-party, and not only demand the accused prove their innocence before having their rights reinstated, but allow for property searches without the usual evidentiary standards. Until the Supreme Court undoes these laws, highly unlikely, states will receive funding. But it's one thing for California, Rhode Island to do so. It's another for national Republicans to fund these efforts. Moreover, there's scant evidence that red flag laws do much to prevent violence. Most studies that contend to prove red flag laws work do so by drilling into the consciousness of those who've lost their guns and predicting their behavior. The Washington Post, Glenn Kessler, certainly no NRA champion, went through every mass shooting since 2015 and came up with only two instances where red flag laws might have potentially stopped a shooter. And in one of them, the Parkland massacre, the police ignored outright threats made by the shooter that would already have allowed them to take away his guns. The bill will also close off the so-called boyfriend loophole. 
so that not only spouses, but anyone convicted of a misdemeanor violent act who's in a, quote, continuing serious relationship of a romantic or intimate nature, unquote, between two people can have their guns removed. Republicans will also be helping Democrats for the first time in a long time expand a category of person prohibited from owning guns. Anyone 18 to 21 with a juvenile record sealed or expunged, though it's difficult to tell. That includes a felony or misdemeanor conviction for domestic violence or was involuntarily committed after the age of 16 might not be able to purchase a gun. The wait time can be 10 days instead of the usual three It's unclear to me, he writes, if this means Americans of any age will be barred from purchasing a gun. If they have a juvenile record, the entire section is a mess. In the end, though, nothing will change in our political environment. Today, the corrupt corporate media and Democrats will herald the law breaking a logjam. The first gun safety law in 30 years. This is untrue. Congress has passed numerous gun laws. Thousands of gun laws and regulations exist in the United States. No right has ever been regulated more. No right has ever been regulated more. And in a few days, Democrats will return to accusing Republicans of supporting terrorism and abetting child murder. Senators like Murphy will be back demanding bans on semi-automatic rifles and arguing for backdoor national registries. Within weeks, if not earlier, the media will tell us that the bill was a mere tiny first step in bringing the United States in line with other civilized countries. For one side, the bipartisan Safer Communities Act will be a fleeting win. For the other, an incremental step in a crusade to limit national gun ownership. David Harsani of The Federalist, senior editor. What again do the Republicans stand for? I'm trying to remember. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Lauren Boebert is an excellent member of Congress from Colorado. She's a citizen legislator, and that's one of the reasons they despise her. She's also effective. She's an effective communicator. She is a principled, consistently principled vote. And it's a pleasure to have you here, uh, Congresswoman. How are you today? I'm doing really great, Mark. Thanks so much for having me on. What's going on in your district? The Democrats don't want you to be the Republican nominee, do they? (laughs) <laughs> I don't think they do. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Democrats cannot win on the issues. They cannot win on the policies. They understand uh, that anything that they put forward is failing American citizens, and we are all paying the price for it. Uh, so, you know, they'll they'll lie. They'll they'll attack personally. It's the politics of personal destruction, and that's really what the American people hate about politics. Uh, because we want to get to the issues. We want the policies that are going to uh, help us here in our country, that will secure our border, that will lower inflation, that will fill our grocery store shelves. And uh, Democrats don't have any solutions for that. So, yeah, they're attacking me pretty hard in my district. You know, one thing that's never done in your case is an opportunity to explain who you are. What's your background? You know, they want to create a caricature of you. In mm-hmm. the media and in the Democrat Party, they don't really want to run against you. They want to run against something they create. Tell everybody a little bit about your background. You're mar- you know, you're married, your kids, so forth. 
Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, I should be the Democrat poster child. Uh, I, I was raised Democrat, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I realized, unlike a lot of Democrats, uh, maybe maybe we're seeing more Democrats that are realizing now more than ever. Uh, but I, I realized that I could do a better job taking care of myself than the government could. So I'm a self-taught conservative because I lived in that cycle of poverty that they want Americans to be stuck in, dependent on government for food, for housing, where you're going to live, what school you're going to go to, how you're going to raise your children. And uh, so I'm a self-taught conservative. Uh, my husband and I, we, uh, we have been together for 19 years. We just celebrated 19 years this month. And he and I have four wonderful boys. And uh, I, I'm here, Mark, because I, I didn't want my boys to be raised in a socialist nation. I am here to defend freedom, to secure our Constitution. And I was sick and tired of the politicians who say one thing on the campaign trail, and then they get to wherever we're sending them, and they do something completely different. And, and that is a very frustrating situation that we see uh, all too often. Uh, so uh, I ran for Congress um to do something different, to do what I said I was going to do. And that's why I'm here. But I, I'm a, a business owner. Uh, I, you know, I have a wonderful community, um, love God, have a great church. And I, I love the people who elected me to serve and to represent them, to be their voice, to fight for them, to work for them. And it really is an honor to do that. Your uh, your district includes what towns? Is it a big district, a small district, mostly rural, what Yes, uh, so we're we're mostly mostly rural. Uh, it's almost a half the state of Colorado, actually. Wow. Uh, I have the the western side of Colorado, the entire southern border, and uh, we have some pretty big names in the district. I have fifty five thousand square miles um, in my district, and uh, we have places like Glenwood Springs, Grand Junction, Telluride, Durango, uh, and some some really wonderful places, uh, including Pueblo, where I spend a lot of time. That's down south. And then, of course, we have um, two Native American tribes in the district. We have the Mountain Utes and the Southern Utes. And, uh, you know, I spend some time with them and advocating for uh, for their causes as well. But it's a very large district, very rural, a lot of uh, farmers and ranchers, and um, just good old, good old folks, um, Americans who, who want to uh, that, that have their nose to the grindstone, and, and they want to be able to, to go to work, to be able to afford the gas to get to work, and come home and be with their families and, and really live a quiet and peaceable life. Uh, but a lot of them are being forced to get up and, and say something uh, these days because uh, we're, we're learning that if we're silent, we lose by default. I'd like you to hold you over the break, if I may. Uh, it's very interesting, isn't it? Yeah, of course. It? Your background, the background of the people who live in your district, the way the people live in your district is utterly and completely foreign to everything that goes on in Washington, D.C., and these committee chairmen from the urban areas and all the rest. The Washington Post, the New York Times, they have no comprehension of your district or you or anything of the kind. We'll be right back. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation 
forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals, and listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. We are with Representative Lauren Bobert. If people want to help you, where do they go? Uh, LaurenForFreedom.com, and let me tell you, I have a primary that's coming up on Tuesday, and uh, I, I need all the help that I can get. Uh, I want to stay in this fight to redirect our country. So uh, let me tell you, the, the folks who donate to leadership, who uh, the, the, the K Street lobbyists out here in Washington, D.C., they don't give to members of Congress like myself uh, because we're doing something completely different. Uh, I, my votes cannot be bought by lobbyists, and they understand uh-huh. that. Uh, so I, I need folks to sit back and think about that investment. LaurenForFreedom.com. Lauren, that's a nice name. That's my daughter's name. LaurenForFreedom.com. LaurenForFreedom.com. Now, my wife and I got to know you a little bit when you were first mm-hmm. planning on running, first a candidate. And I want the American people to know you're really down to earth. You're a mom. You have kids. You have your husband. And you were driven to run because you were very, very concerned about the country's direction, just like millions and millions of listeners to this program. And because you go to Washington, mm-hmm. you're not a politician. You're from a part of the country that really is uh, an enigma to so many who are in Washington, D.C. They try to pigeonhole you when you speak up for the average person, correct? Right. And now, yes. and now they're character assassinating right. you. Isn't that right, too? Yes. Yes, they are. Uh, you know, and, and these, these are just lies, um, lies after lies. It, it, it's incredible. Like we said before, they, they can't win on the policy, so they want the politics of personal destruction. If they can't destroy your idea, then they want to destroy the person. I've been attacked, though, since I first started running for Congress. They said, well, who are you? You've never run for public office. You can't, you can't win. Uh, you're going up against a five-term incumbent, a Republican. But he wasn't doing what he said he was going to do. So I challenged him, and I won that primary by 10 points. Uh, everybody said, you know, I didn't have the qualifications, the background, the education. I have a GED, for goodness sake. So I've been attacked on my education uh, since I filed to run. And and now uh, they're, they're just coming out with more salacious lies, uh, attacking myself, my family. And, you know, I, I had to go home and uh, explain to my nine-year-old what, what an escort is because, uh, you know, the, the allegations are, are so egregious. And uh, now, you know, I mean, there's, there's lawyers involved and uh, – uh, we'll, we'll be pursuing um, defamation suits uh, against a particular group um, that has come out with the, these latest allegations. And isn't it interesting that the women's groups and the groups that claim they're concerned right. about misogyny and so forth, the, t- the Me Too movement, have mm. you heard from any of them? No, you know, I, actually I haven't. Uh, Mother, Mother Jones did come out and say that this was sexist, because uh, if, if your listeners aren't aware, uh, Muckrecker's, uh, a, a political pack, a Democrat pack, 
um, they came out at, with with these lies that that they know to be false, um, saying that I was a, an escort and uh, that this involved other people with lots of money. Um, uh, accused me of being uh, a stripper and having two abortions and all these things. I mean, the most grotesque things that you can think that would uh, attack me personally. And, uh, and they're just coming out with this and saying it. So we, we're getting lawyers involved, but no, I haven't heard from any of the feminist or- organizations, any of the groups, any of the Me Too movement. What happened to Believe All Women? And now all of a sudden my, my core fundamental principle of pro-life is being attacked and I'm being accused of having two abortions. They can't even get their dates right both times that they, they say these claims. Uh, I, I was pregnant with two of my children who are here today. Mm-hmm. Nobody should have to go through this. They play very, very dirty. And uh, so, look, you have this election on Tuesday. What do you want to tell the people in your district in Colorado and the people of the nation? Yeah, we, we're, we're certainly fighting hard. Um, it, it's an honor to serve my district and, and to be a voice in, in our country right now. Um, today, we, we just had a press conference. I'm the co-chair with Congressman Thomas Massey of the Second Amendment Caucus. And, and we're talking about the uh, Senate compromise, uh, the gun grab that is coming over to the House now from the 14 so-called Republicans, these rhinos, who uh, is, are legislating their constituents' rights away. And, uh, you know, this, these are the kind of things that we are fighting for. We need to secure our borders, lower inflation, fix the supply chain issues. Uh, I mean, look at the stock market and uh, and certainly defend our Second Amendment rights. Uh, I, I mean, how how sad is it that our Second Amendment is under siege by the very people who are supposed to protect us uh, uh, from the very people it's supposed to protect us against? Yeah, it's the most regulated right that we have in the Bill of Rights. Let me ask you, in your district, largely Mm -hmm. rural, almost half the state, how important is the Second Amendment? Oh, it's very important. If there's a single issue to run on, it is the Second Amendment. Uh, even uh, Democrats in my district are, are most of them are a good a good amount of them are uh, pro two A. Um, these are blue collar, blue dog Democrats um, who uh, understand the right to keep and bear arms, who, who want that personal right for themselves, and and understand that uh, there are people who in in these uh, urban areas who are fighting to defund our police. In fact, the man that I'm uh, who's running against me for my seat in Congress uh, voted in the state Senate to remove qualified immunity away from our police officers. So we have our police officers being attacked and demonized, being defunded. And then we have even Republicans re- uh, voting to open them up to frivolous litigation. So they are personally liable for doing their job to serve and protect our communities. It's hard to know what the Republican Party really stands for these days. We know what the Democrats stand for. Mm. But it's really hard to know what the Republican establishment stands for, because as best I can tell, they don't stand for a damn thing. I'm being quite honest about it. They just don't. And here they are. They're going to deliver Biden some kind of victory. And it's a Pyrrhic Mm -hmm. victory because, you know, they keep saying this is a first step. And what's the next step? And what's the step after that and the one after that? We know what happened in Texas now. They blew it. They right. blew a big time. I know I'm a big supporter of the cops. What happened there was disgusting. Mm-hmm. Armed men, including men with armor, refused to go into that damn elementary school for an hour and 15 minutes to kill that son of a bitch mm-hmm. while he was executing those elementary school kids. That's what happened. Right. Right. And so you can't legislate yes. that. And- 
you're exactly right. You cannot legislate evil, and, and this is a knee-jerk reaction, and there's literally only one way Republicans can lose the midterms, and that's if they start acting like Democrats, and that's exactly what these 14 rhinos in the Senate are doing. I mean, go to their campaign website. Each of these senators ran on a platform of protecting the gun rights of their constituents, and each have decided to listen to K Street and not Main Street. The people back home do not support this gun grab. And Americans have the right to due process and the right to bear arms. And these unconstitutional red flag laws remove both of these rights for law-abiding citizens and many, many others. And, uh, and there are provisions in this bill that would ensure that our teachers are disarmed. And that's exactly the opposite of what we should be doing. We need to fortify our schools. We need to secure our schools and protect our nation's most valuable asset, our children. Uh, and I, I don't think that ensuring that a teacher cannot be armed is the way to go with that. I think we need to end the federal gun-free zone uh, for our schools and make sure that we have um, certified, licensed uh, people who are qualified to protect our children and, and be armed in our schools while we also fortify our schools and protect our children. And that's what they're doing in Florida after Parkland. They're, they're fortifying the schools. Mm -hmm. An armed, trained police officer for every 500 students, not roaming the school district, in the school, Certain rules when it comes to doors, certain rules when it comes to the perimeter. I mean, mm -hmm. this is how you try and save individuals, as, certainly as far as I'm concerned. Now, here's the thing. It's like this so-called bipartisan uh, infrastructure bill. I don't want to get you in trouble. I really don't. I get in enough trouble. But I don't want to get you in trouble. But to watch Republican leadership in the Senate yeah. voted for that, 19 of them. Mm -hmm. which is a trillion dollars. They don't admit that that contributed to inflation or anything of the else. Then to see the same leader and leadership mm -hmm. push this agenda yes. with the gun. This is what I mean. What the hell do they stand for? Exactly. It's more frustrating than what the Democrats are doing because the Democrats are telling us what they stand for, what they believe in, and they're holding true to their word. And Republicans, uh, too often, there there are a group that say one thing on the campaign trail and they get here and do something completely different that doesn't line up with our party platform. You know, I'm really glad that you mentioned Florida. Look at America's governor leading the way once again. And uh, also, when it comes to this bipartisan infrastructure bill, I, I was against it from the beginning. I had an alternative for that bill, rather than spending $1.2 trillion that we don't have, printing $1.2 trillion, uh, only 9% of it actually went to anything infrastructure related. I put forward America's Infrastructure Modernization Act, the AIM Act. It takes $650 billion of the unspent COVID funds and puts it towards actual infrastructure instead of this liberal wish list that Republicans cave to in the Senate and in the House. And in the House, that really shook things up. Because Democrats committed that the infrastructure bill was tied with the Build Back Better. And they knew that another $5 trillion bill was coming down the pike. And uh, 13 Republicans in the House voted for that bipartisan, uh, that, that so-called bipartisan infrastructure bill, and knowing that it would open up the door for the Build Back Better. And, and that almost got passed. And I, I'm really grateful for, uh, you know, a couple of Democrats who stood up and said, yeah, maybe we shouldn't break the bank just yet. Well, listen, you're, uh, you're, you're full energy, you're a patriot, you're a citizen legislator. That's what the framers intended. America, Levinites, yes, let's help her. LaurenForFreedom.com, L-A-U-R-E-N, LaurenForFreedom.com, so the Democrats don't pick the Republican nominee, which would be just another outrage. Mm -hmm. And we wish you all the best. Right. 
Thanks so much, Mark. I, I appreciate you. God bless you and your listeners. And we're, we're going to take our country back. I believe in our country. And I wouldn't leave my four boys and my husband every day to do what I'm doing if I didn't think we had a chance. Yeah, that's not an easy flight. All right, take care of yourself. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. running out of time. I wanted to get some of the damn computer shut down. All right, here it is. I want to tell you about a gentleman who's not related to me, Ukrainian journalist Max, M-A-K-S, Levin, L-E-V-I-N. Who was he? He's 40 years old, was a photojournalist in Ukraine. Uh, He worked for numerous Western media outlets, and he disappeared on March 13th. And his body was discovered two weeks later. And according to Reporters Without Borders, he was murdered by Russian soldiers. Investigators for the organization found bullets and casings at the scene and 14 bullet impacts on the car he and his companion were traveling in. There was also DNA evidence that attested to Russian soldiers being at the scene. Now, he had worked for the BBC, Associated Press, Reuters, and so forth, taking pictures of what was taking place. Folks, the Russians are committing horrific acts of inhumanity. This is just a one story against tens of thousands of defenseless people. This is how they fight wars. This is how they've always fought wars. My ancestors are Russian, Russian Jews. They had to escape Russia from the pogroms. Some of them, I suppose, were even Ukrainians because the the border between Russia and Ukraine has shifted over the centuries. But that's of no consequence. I don't care. I'm an American. And then there's this from a local news outlet, Channel 12, Uvalde. Officer husband of slain Uvalde teacher was detained, had gun taken away after trying to save his wife. Texas DPS director said Eva Merrillis told her husband, quote, she, quote, had been shot and was dying. Shocking testimony from the Texas DPS director has revealed even more insight into the abject failure of response to the shooting that occurred on May 24. Texas Department of Public Safety Director Colonel Stephen McCraw revealed that the husband of slain elementary school teacher Eva Merrillis tried to save her, but was barred from doing so. Ruben Ruiz is a police officer for the school district and was on the scene after the gunman entered the school and opened fire. McGraw said his wife called him, Ruiz, and told him that she had been shot and was dying. And what happened to him? is he tried to move forward into the hallway. This is the husband. He was detained, and they took his gun away from him. 
and escorted him off the scene. Do you believe that, Mr. Producer? He's in the school. His wife calls. She's shot. She's bleeding out. She's dying. He's an officer. He wants to get to her. He's detained, and they take his weapon away from him. This gets sicker and sicker. It turns your stomach. When you think of being a parent or a husband or a wife or whatever, and these things are going on, it turns your stomach. And there's not a damn thing Congress can do about this. Except hurt our Second Amendment rights. There was a complete lack of competence and courage that took place that day. What took place that day is unimaginable. Particularly when according to the highest Texas Department of Safety official, they could have been in there in three minutes. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, you truck drivers, the people in Ukraine, and all of you. You're fantastic, and God bless you, and I'll see you tomorrow.